0: I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. On this episode, I am joined by the author Yvette Edwards, whose first novel, A Cupboard Full of Coats, published in 2011, garnered a fistful of impressive nominations, including the Booker Prize and the Commonwealth Book Prize. Yvette's second book, The Mother published in 2016 to wide acclaim, also received a wealth of glittering reviews and nominations. Yvette is also a Fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. Hello, Yvette, and welcome to the programme. Hello, hello, Joanna. Thank you very much for
1: inviting me along. Pleasure to be here.
0: Now, before we deep dive into your books and writing career, I just want to go back to the very beginning. For the two people on the planet who don't know of you yet, tell us about your background. Tell us a bit about yourself. I was born in Potters Bar
1: and uh, my mum moved to London when I was about one. And then I lived and grew up in uh, Hackney during the time that it was like one of Britain's poorest boroughs, Um, whereas now it's very kind of gentrified and um, I don't live in Uh, Hackney anymore because I by the time I was like working and earning um, I couldn't afford to buy in Hackney. So uh, my heart I think is in Hackney. I describe myself as a Hackney girl but I've lived in neighbouring borough, uh, Wolven Forest for probably about 30 years now. Uh, So I think I've I've probably spent the larger part of my life uh, here. I've done uh, lots of different Uh, work, jobs uh, working with people, I'm very interested in people, very interested in uh, the difficulties that people face, probably because um, uh, my mum was a single parent when I was growing up and um, that shaped my uh, world view to a large extent. So I've worked in housing and uh, benefits and uh, housing benefits and council tax um I currently work in library service and uh, which is quite funny actually because I uh, feel a bit like I found my home um and I don't know why uh, it took me until I was in my 50s or whatever to discover that um libraries were a really good fit for me. Mm. Um I'm a mum uh, I have children I have grandchildren Yeah, I think that's, I think
0: that's me. Yeah, great, great. Thanks for that. Let's talk about your first book, A Cupboard Full Mm -hmm. of Coats, just published in 2011. What's Mm -hmm. the story there? Is it about coats? A Cupboard Full of Coats is the story
1: of a a young woman, um, Jinx, who is uh, 30 when the story begins, Uh, She's the main character and the narrator. Her mum was murdered 14 years before the story begins. And the novel opens with an old family friend, uh, Lemon, coming to visit her. And um, basically, over the course of a weekend, they talk about who was responsible for her mum's murder and what really happened. There, There is a cupboard in it. And there are coats in the cupboard. I won't tell you the significance of the coats because um, it would that would be quite a,
0: a, a giveaway, uh, so, wouldn't it? Would yeah. It? yeah. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. It would. But they are really very um, significant. And uh, as an item of clothing, I like I like coats, and I uh, I like I like coats um I, I find them very interesting um because uh you never like once uh, when I was dropping my kids to school uh years ago I bumped into one of the mums that I knew quite well from like the playground and outside the playground and anyway she looked really glamorous and she had on like she was all made up and like uh, she had on like a really nice hat and and a coat that was almost down to her ankles, which was really lovely. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. Like, where are you off to? And um, she whispered, um, actually, I woke up really late this morning and I've still got my pyjamas on. So I put the coat on so that nobody nobody would realise. <laughs> and um, I think coats have that quality um, that it, you never really quite know. Um, what you're going to find underneath a bit like, uh, like uh, years ago, there was, um when dvds before streaming when dvds were popular uh, sometimes you'd find those people you'd come across those people outside the supermarket who had their coats done up and as you approach them they'd surreptitiously like open one side of it and the inside of it was like like dvd um uh racks um, and you could buy these like um uh, dvd off of them um really cheaply but um if like somebody that looked like they might be law enforcement passed by um, and <laughs> They closed the coat again, and they just looked like a regular person who'd come into the supermarket to do their shopping. Um, so I think um, I think coats as a as a as an item of clothing are something that I find myself very interested in and curious about. Um, and these particular coats in um, a cupboard full of coats um, do tell um, a story themselves. But you'll have to read the book to uh, find out what that is.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm loving it already. Yes, I, I, I will do that, actually. I, I, I just I love the title as well, A Cupboard Full of Coats. And I thought I'll, it makes one think of all sorts of things. And you've just given a wonderful yeah. explanation, actually, about coats, mm-hmm. which, which is yeah. great. Lovely. Thanks for that. Now, your next novel, The Mother, published mm-hmm. in 2016, um, can mm-hmm. you give us some background to this story? So the
1: novel came about as a consequence of a real life uh, situation um, when it's the story of a mum, Marcia, whose son her, has been stabbing fatality uh, victim, and the novel uh, covers the, the two week period of the trial of the young boy who's been accused of her son's murder so it's basically about Marcia navigating the the court and um, trying to understand what's you know what's happened how how this happened who this young boy is why he would have taken her son's life and uh, the story it's it's also about her like trying to hold her life together she's married and um her and her husband are are dealing with the death of their son uh, in completely different ways and are uh, neither of them are really able to support the other one so she's also exploring her marriage and trying to yeah trying to work out what's going on there and um hold it all together but the idea for that novel uh, came about as a, a consequence of a real life uh, scenario when my stepson was uh, stabbed very randomly about probably almost um 10 years ago now um when he was 19 and it was the it was it was it was such a random it was such a random thing uh the police said that it was um probably like a gang initiation thing or something on the part of the young boy who who had done it. Uh, but when we got the call to say that he'd been stabbed and um, he'd been taken to hospital um, and he needed emergency surgery, like the uh, terror we experienced was just, it was awful uh, so I should just say um, that he's, he's, he's perfectly fine. He made um, a full recovery. I've asked him uh, about it and a couple of years ago, and he was saying that he doesn't really think about it and he doesn't feel like he's, um, he's been impacted by it. I don't know. You know, I don't know. He's still like really young, but anyway, I feel like when, when that happened, he, he had to have a surgery because the, the blade had nicked his spleen. And um, there was a possibility that if the operation didn't go well, that he could end up with a colostomy bag. And um, I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand how somebody like him, he's like, he's a re- he's a really good boy, like really polite, doing all the right things. You never didn't know where he was. I I don't know. I, I like retrospectively, I think that um, maybe I thought that because he was like that, that knife crime wasn't an issue um, that we had to really be concerned about, like um, in in our family. May, I also think that um, I feel like I knew that knife crime was happening because it, it's impossible to um, live in the UK and to not know that there's like a, you know, knife crime epidemic and has been for um, decades now. But I feel I feel like up until then, I knew that it was going on, but I wasn't actually actively paying attention to it. And then when um, that incident happened with my stepson, I I, I was paying attention, I was like, really um, paying attention, I was uh, probably obsessive, I couldn't you know, I wanted to know, like, how, where's, where's all this coming from? And what is, you know, what makes like one young person like take another young person's life for for next to nothing, you know, um, for like a slight or a dare or, but also I was watching uh, like incidents happening on the TV where uh, somebody had been um, killed and um, there was like CCTV footage and you'd see actual people like, you know, going down the street, like, you know, to do it and uh, carrying out the deed and um, nobody's face was covered or like people, it, like they weren't trying to actively avoid identification or anything like that and um it made me think about like what what does that what does that mean what does that say about like young people that that they uh, are prepared uh, not just to end someone's life over you know sometimes very minuscule disagreements but they're also willing to lose a portion of their own their own lives they're not trying to not be found out Um, So that they won't go to prison, like 16, 17, 18, young boys, like who should be enjoying their, their lives. These should be like the best years of their lives for a lot of people. Those aren't the best years of your life when you were like a teenager, like in your twenties and to like, just be prepared to go to prison and, and be there for, for 10 years, 16 years Um, indefinitely what what does all of this say about um, how they value like lives not just the the victims but like their own lives and um, and then I just found myself like really kind of um, just interested in this in the subject very generally and um, I knew my writing process I things tend to come from a situation or issue that um, I'm bothered about, but that I can't um, resolve satisfactorily in my mind. And also that I feel like I don't know enough about. And then I think that the process of writing is a cathartic one. So, I write about the issue, and then it's not that I necessarily grow in my understanding, but I ask a lot of questions. And um, at the end of it, uh, the process has been cathartic, and I can I can move on from it. And I knew that I was going to write about the issue because I was just like stuck and going around and around it. So then I was like umming and ahhing about what point of view to approach it from. And it kind of made sense to me to approach it from the point of view of like a young person who perhaps, uh, you know, was doing whatever or um but ends up you know I, a friend of theirs or something getting um killed and I felt like a, a young person wouldn't have like the 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 concerns that that, that I have like at my age that, that mums have about their children that they might not have the questions that that I had. Um, and and I wanted answers to my questions. So then I thought I'm going to go for um, the mum. So so the uh, perspective is first person. It's the point of view of the mum of the boy who's been killed. Yeah, and she gen- through that character, I I
0: basically explore the questions that I wanted answers to. Yeah. And what did you find out in all that process? What did you find out about the criminal justice system?
1: I discovered but there's so many uh issues there are so many issues that feed into like youth youth violence i very much felt like a, a lot of the work that was being done to um, prevent youth violence was being done by um charitable organizations as opposed to the the government so there were like i i discovered there's lots of um charities working with young people in all sorts of circumstances, um, trying to keep them in uh, school, restorative justice uh, charities that were putting young people who were getting involved in crime, getting them together with victims of crime uh, so that they could uh, understand. Because a lot of young people, um, so not just their kind of violent crimes, but like thefts and burglaries and stealing cars and that they, they think that these are like victimless crimes that people can just claim off their insurance and they get the stuff back. So really no one's been hurt. But actually, people were terrified to like be inside their homes, like after burglaries, and um, or thought that they'd been targeted, and their mental health was impacted. And but putting young people like around a table with uh, victims, so that they could actually see um, and understand the impact of their um, behaviours, as part of my research, I met with a number of um, mums who had lost their sons. Who had gone on to uh, found and minister charities in their sons' names, like um, Yvonne Lawson, who runs the Godwin Lawson Foundation. She basically organizes uh, sports uh, football matches between uh, children in different areas to break down postcode barriers and takes children. Uh, young uh, people, mainly boys, out of the area that they live in by coach and take them into a neutral area um, so they can play a football match against another another team in the hope that they'll kind of discover that they have more in common than they have differences and to remove that kind of territorial rivalry that there seems to be, uh, like if uh, someone from outside the neighbourhood steps into a neighbourhood I went to um, Feltham Young Offenders Institute and um, they they basically um, house uh, young people who are either on remand or have been convicted of um, violent crimes. And I spoke to one of the librarians there and um, I was I was basically asking her what's it like being a woman working here like what's that what's that experience like and um, and she she was saying to me that she just has like enormous uh, empathy for like a lot of the boys who who end up there that a lot of the boys who who come through their doors, When they are put into a cell there, it's the first time that they have ever had a room of their own that they don't share with anyone else. That it was the first time for a lot of the boys who come there that they could guarantee that they were going to receive free meals a day. And there's a kind of um, joke, you know, many a true thing is said in jest. Like the when the young boys go into like Felton for a bit when they turn up at um, court they're um, plumper they put uh, weight on and um, lots of people aren't getting three
0: meals a day. Do you think that may contribute to um, going back to what we're saying about young people and carrying knives and crime? Yeah, I think that I think that it's all part of it. It's all part
1: of young people growing up feeling um, hopeless or that or as though you know what uh, society um, has to offer, which they are probably able to watch on their TVs like 24 hours a day all the nice cars and the houses and the lovely advertisements and like to be faced with that all the time, but to be completely locked out of it and to have no access to um, any of that, to feel like you, you may never have access to any of that. I feel like I'm very fortunate, very privileged again, that when I have things in my head, and they're going round and round, and I can't get rid of them. I can't clear clear my head that I write. And I can actually write about those things, and I can like work my way through like my angst and my anger and find some peace like at the end of
0: that process. Which brings me on to my next question, actually. Are there boundaries between real life and fiction, and should there be? because the mother is based on, your real life experience Yeah I suspect that A writer uh, Literary
1: festival I was at very recently Said that Basically um, All writers are writing about themselves um, All the characters Of themselves they're, All the characters Different um, facets of themselves And um, uh, They're just exploring Themselves all the time I, you know, I think there's a, a an element of uh, truth to that. That the stories that people tell are, that writers tell, are often predicated by their background and where they've come from and what they've experienced and everything, their culture where they've grown up, uh, their education. It all, all of that feeds into uh, the writing process and. Um, what they choose to to write about. I think the line between um, fact and fiction is uh, very, very fine, actually, and sometimes not there at all. And I, I also think that uh, fact is far stranger than um, fiction. What goes on in the real world, um, you'd never get away with writing about uh, a lot of it, you know, crazy things in American politics over the last uh, decade.
0: Um, no one would believe if you wrote that as a book. And and speaking about America, the New York Journal of Books described the mother as a mm-hmm. hit the ball out of the park, clear-eyed, unsentimental novel about modern city life and the challenges parents face. What do you make of that? What's your thoughts on that? Obviously, it's always
1: nice to receive Uh, good reviews I like that they thought that it was clear-eyed because I think that I strive very hard for authenticity like when it comes to my characters and the characters uh, emotions and to make those as realistic as possible I do try to um, which can be hard because you know we're all emotional beings Um, and writers are no different but I do try not to impose my emotions onto the writing I do want the characters to um, be unique in their own right and to stand alone and to make the unique decisions that that character would make not to um, necessarily do what I would do or make the decisions that that I would would make so um, yeah it's nice um, nice to hear I'm happy they think that
0: <laughs> Lovely. Now you've also done other writing work. Um Your short stories are featured in anthologies, including the fairly recent "New Daughters of Africa" anthology edited by the mighty Margaret Busby. Let's let's talk a bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I've done um uh, quite a few short stories for uh, a couple of anthologies and also uh, broadcast on radio and uh, Margaret. Busby's anthology, The New Daughters of Africa. I I wrote a story for that. My story in there is called Security. It's probably one of my all-time favourite stories. Um, It's about an elderly Jamaican woman who um, is at the beginning of the story, is basically packing her case um, because she's going to Jamaica in the morning. And um, she goes out to pick up the last couple of bits that she needs to put in her suitcase. And she goes to, um, it's like the equivalent of like the pound shop. And while she's trying to do her shopping, she's being followed around by the security guard. That story, that experience re- for her, uh, well, it explores the, that experience generally, which is an experience that literally every black person I know has had every single one of my aunts my uncles my granddad my mum in fact that's how I even wrote that story because um I'd been asked to write a story for um New Daughters of Africa and I'd asked Margaret Busby oh you know do are there any themes you know do you want me to uh, do you want me to uh, stick to and she's like no no write write about whatever you like and um I've been humming and ahhing about what to write about when my mum came for dinner on her birthday and um, she was really really devastated because uh, she'd stopped at the pound shop to get something and um, she'd been followed around by the security guard it made me it really made me think about that that experience because um it's it's literally an experience that like uh, you know, when my mom, when my mom was telling me, she's like in her seventies, and um, she was deputy head when she uh, retired. And you know, she's like, why, why would the security guard choose me of everyone coming into that? Why would the security guard choose me to follow around? But it also kind of made me remember having that conversa- that conversation, and 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 other times that she'd that she'd been followed around. You know what I thought about that experience was that no matter how many times it happens it was it was upsetting that like you know that my mom, like in her seventies, is still happening, and you never get used to it you never it's never okay it never it's never happened so many times that now you don't care that it happens anymore every single time it's like upsetting, uh yeah, I am. Um, so that's what i wrote about a woman in her 70s who's being followed around by a security guard but then as a consequence of that experience she her her whole life in england comes into focus and she she examines it like while she's in the shop being followed by a security guard it's literally my favorite short story that i've ever that i've ever written so yeah if anyone wants to read one of my short stories
0: um go for security Um, which is in the New Daughters of Africa anthology. Great. Lovely. Thanks for that. So from what I'm hearing, your stories are based on real life experiences. But Mm -hmm. I've heard that you eavesdrop in shady corners whilst wearing (laughs) sunglasses. (laughs) Uh, which I'm sure is just for research purposes, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, just for, just for uh, research. I'm very, very interested in people. All the work that I've ever done uh, in my life has involved people. I like to think that I'm non-judgmental in my approach to uh, dealing with human beings and being with them. And as, as a consequence, people, you know, speak to me about, about things I'm. I'm always interested. I'm really. I'm really, really very interested. I'm interested in everyone, but I'm probably particularly interested in um, women. And I'm interested in stories that I haven't read already that I feel need to to be told. And um, that includes, in particular, stories of uh, black women whose voices have been silenced for centuries and who you know even even now are so um underrepresented like on the literary landscape i'm interested in in telling telling their stories or platforming those characters so that they can tell their stories so yeah i do a lot of um listening i do a lot of talking to
0: people i do a lot of people watching and and we are glad you do because without that we wouldn't have your wonderful, wonderful stories. And with that, Yvette, thank you for your time and for sharing your wonderful life and your wonderful Pleasure. writing with us. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank Pleasure. You.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for um, for inviting me onto uh,
0: Behind show. the yellow tape. Yeah, lovely. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, you take care. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com. Something is creepy.